but it highlights the role of policing under an unjust system of racial capitalism. It's there to maintain the boundary between us, the peasants, uh, whose rights are constantly under threat, the ones who are constantly told we need to be civil to our very oppressors who attack our everyday needs and our everyday rights. The police helps to reinforce that boundary of us and the ruling elite. The ruling elite is the, the SCOTUS members who can make decisions about our lives. Police are there to keep us in check and, and to make sure we don't do what we're doing right now. What we did in 2020 in the wake of George Floyd is revolt. Another edition of the Bituation Room coming to you from my mom's house. Yeah, what up? Sometimes I visit my mom. It's cool. Uh, it is Mother's Day and I am here uh, chilling. That's not why I'm actually here visiting her. I wish it was. It's more selfish than that. Um, but I hope you guys are good. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here and sharing that stream. If you are listening as a podcast, my God, won't you give this podcast five stars? I know it's just begun, but it's good. It's going to be good because there is a whole lot to bitch about today. This week has felt like, um, I don't know. Well, it's felt like we've fallen 50 years into the past, doesn't it? So yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about abortion rights, reproductive rights, what the fuck is going on in the Supreme Court right now. Um, the reactions from Democrats, the reaction from our president. Uh, and, uh, you know, I decided to have on a, another, well, a mom, I'm a soon to be mom, but a mom and, and comedian, uh, Aaron Dewey Lennox is on. So I'm really excited to have her here. Uh, and then we are going to be talking about the movement in Minneapolis to remake the police department, to change it, to create a department of public safety. As I think some of you know, there was a ballot measure that uh, did not pass in that city. This is the site of where George Floyd is murdered, was murdered, where Amir Locke was recently murdered. And so um, city council member Robin Wansley is going to be here and she's going to talk to us about why she ran. She's a proud open socialist. Why she ran for city council, what the move right now and what the movement right now to move money out of the police and into programs that actually help people and keep people safe, what that's looking like. So I'm super excited to have her here. And then we're going to wrap this show because it's going to be kind of a doozy. You know, it's going to be a rough one. We're going to wrap with one of my favorite segments, which is what is good? Just what's good? in anything, just in your personal life, foods you like, uh, colors, I don't care. <laughs> uh, what's good? I want you to answer that with me. And then Aaron and I are going to do a final bonus episode for all of the patrons uh, on, some of you might think you're above this, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Yes, I'm going to talk about it. I want. I don't have anyone to talk about it with. Aaron said she was following. I've been following. It's gotten a little wild and sad. A lot of allegations flying. And it's 
pretty dark. And so it started out kind of funny. There was like poop on a bed and I thought that was kind of funny. And now it's just sad. And so I'm curious as to what Aaron thinks and I'll give you my thoughts and we will break down um, some of the testimonies and look at that. So if you need a little pop culture fix, become a patron, you guys, uh, patreon.com slash bituation room. We don't always do pop culture. So give us this fucking break. Our daily broke, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash bituation room. Um, and as promised, remember how I said, if, and when this show gets 300 patrons, which is difficult, very tough, and also, it fluctuates because some of y'all forget that you're patrons and you're like, ew, unsubscribe, you know? And obviously, I get it. Times are tough. Money is tight. Uh, some of, So it fluctuates. However, we have fluctuated above that 300 mark. And I promise the 300th patron, they'd be able to join us in the bonus bish. And that 300th patron is a man by the name of Martin Dingler. That's right. Big Marty D. Big Marty D is in the UK. Ergo, he's probably going to bed right now. Ergo, he's not going to stay on for the bonus fish today. But Martin D says that next week he's going to get a good nap in in the afternoon on his Sunday. He's going to join us at 2.30 in the morning. So that's going to happen. See, these are just a few of the perks that you get with this fucking patron. You know, I mean, obviously there's the bonus episodes. Obviously there's discounts on merch. Obviously, if you're a top tier patron, you get free merch every few months. Obviously, there's the ask me anything. Every month you get access to. I mean, the list goes on. Also supporting uh, my f- soon to be family. Cause, uh, uh, shit is hard. Shit is going to be expensive. If you want to tip the show, TBR dash live on Venmo, TBR live on cash app. That'd be amazing. Uh, subscribe obviously on Twitch. If you're watching on Twitch and, um, you know, let's start this goddamn show off with what are you bitching about? All right, it is Mother's Day, and let's remember that Mother's Day is not a commercial holiday where you, you know, write a card in the car and your handwriting is the worst it's ever been, and then you buy some flowers at Vons. No, Mother's Day started as a radical holiday. It was started by Anna Jarvis, um, who was an activist herself, and her mom was also an, uh, named Anna Jarvis, and she was an activist organizing specifically with poor communities, mothers and children in Appalachia. Um, Anna Jarvis herself was a radical pacifist who, after the Civil War, basically was like, hey, have we killed enough people? Let's stop doing this. Maybe we can be done now. And uh she, the, the idea behind Mother's Day was always this call to peace. It was a call for women to be in leadership positions, we, women to um, step up, and also for the bloodlust of the man to not reign supreme for the love of fuck. Um, so let us remember that, like, this sounds corny, but Motherhood's pretty sacred, guys. I'm like 17 weeks pregnant and uh, I'm emotional as hell. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like if I did shrooms right now, I think my heart would actually like burst out of my chest. Like, like I'd be just like, ah, like I would just, I would turn into 
like a Navi from the planet Pandora in Avatar. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be like, just, I would, anyway. Anyone else have that experience on shrooms? Just me? Okay, cool. We don't cry about our moms. But the point is this. Um, moms know what the fuck is up. Uh, parents know what the fuck is up. And does it mean you have to be a parent? This is the point of the show that we will be getting into. Holy shit. Um, but uh, let's honor that. Let's honor Mother's Day by, you know, working against things like war, inequality, uh, violence, and uh, am I am I someone who believes there should be more women in charge? Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, to ultimately undo and remake the system. That's why we're going to have a city council member on today. And uh, she's going to break it down uh, on how she's doing that in her in her um, in her city. Um, second thing I'm bitching about um, when you get something home after re- uh, after getting really excited about eating it and you and you realize that it says gluten free all over the fucking package. Why? Why? Again, this is like, it's, it's the same thing as getting salt-free chips when you accidentally get salt-free anything or salt-free like almond butter. It's painful. It is, it's the most disappointing. I got, I got gluten-free bagels the other day. Like, I mean, I'll shout out to the celiacs in the chat. You know what I'm saying? Like no disrespect, but God damn it. That was disgusting. And like, now I've got three more and I have to eat them. So I just think there should be like buying gluten free things should be like what Republicans treat abortions. Like there should be a little bit of like, are you sure you want to buy a gluten free bagel? And I can be like, yes, my body, my choice. Or, Oh my God, what? Oh, gross. They're gluten free. Thank you, sir. Anyway, that's what I'm bitching about. All right. Uh, and with that, let me bring in for the hour. She is a writer and a comedian based in Los Angeles And she's performed in over 30 states, and she's just recovered from COVID-19. Please welcome Erin Dewey Lennox. Yes! (laughs) Hello, hello. How are you, my friend? So good to have you. You had to to delay. You were going to be on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I was going to be on before we knew all our rights were removed. And uh... (laughs) And ironically, it was an episode with Liz Winstead about how our rights are about to be removed. We all saw it coming. We all knew when Kavanaugh cried about beer that we were fucked. <laughs> we knew. My God. We did. Oh, but aren't you, don't you feel deceived? Like, like he lied to you because you totally believed him at the time. I didn't believe him, but I do think that they should um, go to prison. I don't believe in prison, but I think that they should go for lying. They're all, per- it's perjury. They lied. They should it's- be removed. <laughs> It's perjury for life, too, which is the best. Pretty simple. It's like this seems like a clear crime. <laughs> you lied yeah. in order to get in there, and so you should be removed. Like, I don't know why we're even discussing the leak. It's like just get them out. Bye. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. I mean, I we've all lied on. <laughs> no, no, we should, and we'll we'll talk about the lie in a little bit. Hold that thought. But what are, what are you bitching about today? I'm going to bitch about something that is about to be really near and dear to your heart, and that is childcare. <laughs> it is a critical element to uh, the sanity of of motherhood. So it's on Mother's <laughs> Day. I want to give a shout out to all childcare, but also it's extremely expensive. So I just did a little bit of math. I'm bad at math, but this is what this is what it costs you before your kid goes to public school because there's no okay. public 
childcare up until they're four and a half. And that is what it costs to take care of your kid at like a regular ass preschool. <laughs> can you can you just say what that number is for the people listening? $72,000 is how much like a just like a regular family spends on preschool. Do you get like, is there like a point system? Can you at least like, you know... <laughs> no, you gotta... Is there cash back on that? Is there are there miles? <laughs> yeah, there are miles on your car for driving your kid to and from preschool. <laughs> that's insane. That's so. That's four and a half years. Or I guess if you start, you know, daycare. Or I didn't even count. Like... That's three years because I didn't because up up until like year one, you probably you you imagine you have paid leave, which <laughs> which you don't. don't. You know, we and... don't. <laughs> We, well, there's a very robust uh, com, comics uh, comics union. I can't even say it right, I'm like because it's so funny. It doesn't funny. exist. Because <laughs> it doesn't exist. Um, would it be a comics union? Yeah. Um, fuck, man, we need that. And yeah, we do. Seventy-two thousand. It's just insane. And like, which is why it's making me rethink. Because my mom's like, you know, I just maybe I could like you know, live with you. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, Bring her no. In. And now I'm like, Bring her in. Get her in. <laughs> Just so you can like go for a workout, you know, for like, it's like, so you can go for a run without having to like negotiate with your partner. <laughs> or, like, or as NATO says, just like take a shit in peace, you know, that is, that is it. Um, so that's what I, one thing I'm bitching about. The second thing I want to bitch about is that, uh, most kids say dada first. And I think that is also a crime. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently it's like just easier to true. say, but it's like, say mama, just like, don't even talk until you're going to say mama, frankly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather not hear that. It's going to be mama. <laughs> just say mama. Do you know how much I've done? Like it's, it's outrageous that you would say dada first. <laughs> <laughs> the D is easier and I just don't accept it. I won't accept it. I'm I'm gonna go. This is a platform I'm running on for City Council of Babies. <laughs> All babies who say dada first are misogynist and need to go to get them out. Some kind of yeah, get them out. Bye. They need to go to like, you know, I don't know, the island of wherever Pinocchio went to become a donkey and uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's lying. But yes, it's yeah, no, it's bullshit. It should be easier to say. I don't know. Or we should be called Dada. If that's the that's easy one to yes. say, then we call us Dada. Dada. We're the ones. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. If you didn't Agreed. get a that's shot a in thing. your spine to <laughs> deliver this child, then I don't think they should say your name first. That's where I'm at. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I You so much to look forward to. My God. I am excited, though. I mean, as, as we are talking about people being forced into parenthood, I am excited that you're being forced into parenthood with me. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And there's a lot of comics who have kids and it's, it's a really um, great thing. And it's also because we've all been allowed to be old enough to like be emotionally regulated and like in therapy and, you know, have enough money to hire uh, someone to help you so you can take a the shit in peace. Oh, patreon.com slash situation room for, for all that. Please yeah, no, donate. You know how much <laughs> you just subscribe. Do you know how much money child care is? Also get a um, nanny who is a Jehovah's witness because they don't have holidays. <laughs> so anytime you're just like, yeah, she could come is over. She gonna be taking, she's, they're going to be taking like the kid around and using them to like knock on doors at seven. Fine. In the morning? On Christmas day, go for it. 
<laughs> they don't. We're going to go out New Year's Eve. We're going holidays. Out. So that you're, the, they're always available. <laughs> the Jehovah's Witnesses got it. That's hilarious. Um, all right. We got to get into uh, everything that we are essentially alluding to. Um, there is only one main story for this week, but a few other things did happen. So uh, this was the week where uh, Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage by a MAGA rapper during a show at the Hollywood Bowl. There will be no charges pressed on the assailant, mostly because because security already spelled out sorry with his body. Ugh, so this is brutal. Ugh. The arm, it's like <laughs> just is just the goose egg. Uh, Nina Turner and progressive Morgan Harper sadly lost their primary bids in Ohio, but Trump sh- uh, shows up for his base, in fact, and all 22 of his endorsed candidates won their primaries, including author J.D. Vance and, ironically, oh. Greg Pence, Mike Pence's older brother. Um, Greg and Donald obviously bonded over both having attempted to, at one point, kill little Mike. <laughs> like, like, oh, you're such a pussy. <laughs> oh, they weren't really going to hang you. They might have. Um, a Maryland man has died 40 days after receiving a heart transplant from a pig, most likely from a pig-related virus uh, that researchers swore couldn't jump from animals to humans, proving that scientists have truly learned nothing from COVID-19. Like, oh, we gave him a heart, a hearty transfusion of bat blood and the spleen of a pangolin. I don't know what happened. What's wrong? Like, oh God. To be fair, he was going to die anyway, so but like 40 days of a pig heart, like maybe, I don't know. What do you do 40 days with a pig heart? It's a fucking memoir. <laughs> That's the title of my next album, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Uh, my I do a great pig sound anyway. Um, <laughs> that's for another time when I have my actual mic. Ugh, I'm bitching about not having my microphone. Um, Italy is impounding a 700 million dollar yacht thought to belong to Vladimir Putin. And oh my god, imagine the cost of the tugboat bill when he finally goes <laughs> to pick it up. Fuck. <laughs> Such a dumb joke. A Georgia judge has ruled that Marjorie Taylor Greene will, in fact, be able to run for office again, despite a lawsuit filed by voters over her participation in the January 6th riots. And no one is more disappointed than Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene herself, because being a canceled congressperson is such a better racket than having to actually continue to do the job of a congressperson. Clearly. And finally, a new Madison Cawthorn video leaked of the congressman joke humping another man while semi-naked um, ha- has come out. And what's ironic about all this dirt dug up on this guy is that it... <laughs> <laughs> Just joke humping a man is joke humping. always my closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, what's ironic about like all the dirt that's being dug up on him is that it, it only proves just how real these congressional orgies actually are <laughs> that he apparently exposed and like how they're a million times dirtier than anything he's ever done. Like this is two senators, one cup. I'm sorry. I can't, <laughs> but like, we know it's real. They're, they're trying to take him down. You're like, that's a confirmation. And for everything else, this is the week where. Okay, so this was obviously the week where um, a draft decision uh, from the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade uh, was leaked earlier in the week. Um, 
that basically showed that the five conservative justices on the court are voting to overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, if you listened to the show before, we thought that maybe it would be uh, abridged, amended, changed, uh, already it's been abused and trampled on, but no, fully overturned. Um, this was written by uh, fucking dickless turd uh, Samuel Alito. And um, specifically, just so you guys know what the court case is, just for for uh, refresher, um, it was it's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. A health organization, and it challenges Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks. And upholding the ban would undermine both Roe v. Wade uh, and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, which was a 1992 case, uh, which allows states to regulate but not ban abortion up until the point of fetal viability to r- roughly 24 weeks. The decision per the draft would likely result in a patchwork of abortion laws, with some states protecting abortion and others prohibiting it outright. That's pretty much the kindest read of what this could do. But let's look at what actually happened. Um, In it, a a number of different things were said. I just want to point out, though, uh, that overall, Alito defines rights to abortion incredibly narrowly, or just civil rights incredibly narrowly, says that there is no right to privacy for women on this issue for anyone who, who can get pregnant uh, makes the argue, argument that it's a form of eugenics uh, that abortion is because um, many black and brown people have abortions. Ergo, you want to kill them. And it's like, you don't care. Um, he says that uh, and we'll go over the, the, the real thing that he says, which is very interesting. He references an English jurist. This is real. Uh, as a basis for his argument. Um, and this English jurist is from the 17th century, and his name is Sir Matthew Hale. And he's someone who legally defended marital rape and sentenced women to die for being witches. He seems cool. <laughs> just like a chill, fun bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a chill, fun bro. I mean... Oh, you don't want to sleep with me? Witch. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Um, it's so so psychotic to reference something that old to begin with. (laughs) And and then that man didn't, wasn't, was just making it up. That guy from the 1700s was just making it up. He just said a thing. (laughs) And then, and then you're going to reference that thing. And it's like, that thing is nothing. He just said it one time. (laughs) I understand all law is made up essentially, but it's like, what are we grounding this in? <laughs> and you're asking me, oh, so first of all, I don't even know what the thing is that he fucking said. Because honestly, marital rape apologist and witch burner or wit, like like uh, someone sentencing someone to die for being a witch, you're automatically out of it. Like, I'm yeah. not going to listen to the third thing you're going to say, buddy. I'm sorry. Anything like, well, you know, he was really kind to animals. He's also not even American. He was a British <laughs> dude. It's like, what are we doing? What law are you basing? Any? It's just like, okay, I can reference a time somebody said something in France. What are we doing? <laughs> it no. doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. And so let's let's dig into exactly what was said. Alito writes that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement on the abortion issue, Roe and Casey, which are again Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, have in inflamed debate and deepened division, it's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Um, 
wow, okay, so great. You mean all these, yeah, fuckheads who do not give a shit about women's rights, who already are putting in place laws to completely ban abortion outright? Yeah, yeah, tight, tight, tight. Oh, and you're severely gerrymandered districts? That's the real thing. The gerrymandering. So it's like, yeah, let's give it back to the states where we've rigged everything. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so there's a couple other things that he says. Um, We hold, this is from the decision, this is from the leaked decision, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any any constitutional provision. That is actually wrong. Yeah. um, Given that the that Roe v. Wade was argued based on the right to privacy, which is in the constitution and the right to freedom. So they say nothing of like life, liberty, pursuit of happiness and all that bullshit, but like, yeah, no, no, no. We understand that abortion wasn't written in there. Maybe it should have been, but like, there's a lot of things that aren't in the constitution that we have rights to. Um, and I, so this is why a lot of people are saying this is like a slippery slope, but the fact that it doesn't say the word abortion means, oh no. Yeah. Cause when the fucking constitution was written, it was a bunch of white dudes who like had, did not care. <laughs> like why? Yeah. In what world? In another world, in a different universe. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah where uh, most of the country was property. So <laughs> it's like, right. there were no rights for a lot of, it's also like the, the implication that any rights that didn't exist when the constitution was formed is also psychotic. And I, everything that he says, I feel like should put him in prison. <laughs> I just think he belongs in prison. <laughs> There's no other no. place for this man. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, and he also says insane things like this. So this is his argument. One of his arguments is around uh, the fact that there supposedly aren't enough babies up for adoption So he cites that um, the domestic supply of infants relinquished at birth or within the first month of life and available to be adopted had become virtually non-existent. He's like quoting uh, the CDC. So the domestic supply of infants is there aren't enough children being ripped out of their mother's arms because that mother cannot afford to raise it or that mother like like come on people what are we doing it the 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 phrasing alone makes my skin hurt (laughs) supply of infants the everything sounds like a a villain in a a cartoon Yeah. And like, I I, I think this is a quote, but like, even if it is a quote, oh yeah, it's a CDC National Center for Health Statistics. It's just, ugh, like even the CDC shouldn't be using that language. The domestic supply of infants. Oh, the CDC said that? No, no, thank you. Apparently it's in quotes. He's, but he's, he, that's another reason why. So all these disgusting reasons why essentially, Women's bodies need to be policed and protected, not protected, unprotected, and uh, they need to become second-class citizens. Um, We've obviously talked a lot about on this show what this would do. I talked about my trips down to El Salvador um, covering what happens when abortion is fully criminalized. Uh, You start locking women up for having miscarriages. You start sentencing them to 30 years in prison for homicide. Um, and don't think that's not coming. So there's a few things to talk about. Um, a lot of people are like, well, maybe it's 
maybe it's fine. You know, like maybe nothing will happen. You know, maybe the states will get stronger and this and that. It's not fine. It's being ruled by it's minority rule and uh, they just are giving us absolutely no say. Yeah. And here's minority leader Mitch McConnell in an interview with USA Today on whether an abortion ban could be possible, outright ban, if Roe v. Wade is overturned. And he said, if the leaked opinion, if the leaked opinion became a final opinion, legislative bodies, not only at the state level, but at the federal level, certainly could legislate in that area, McConnell told USA Today, when asked if a national abortion ban is, quote, worthy of debate. And if this were the final decision, that was the point that it should be resolved one way or another in the legislative process. So, Ugh. yeah, it's possible. Ugh. That, and that's the most definitive. Like, that's him absolutely saying 1,000% it will be banned. It will be done. And, oh, yeah. Like, the with two stolen seats. <laughs> yes, absolutely. With these, and and back to the lying fucks. I mean, so stolen a lot of- Stolen seats with illegitimate judges who have, who perjured themselves in open court are going to rule that we can't. Um, also I have in our close group of, in my small group of best friends who are actively trying to be parents, responsible parents have had to have, you know, have multiple miscarriages while trying to have a family and then have to have a DNC, which is a, an abortion. And those mm-hmm. things would be, would be outlawed or what you'd be prosecuted for. It's like that woman in Texas who was just, just like the last week. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Bleed. Why don't you just bleed out? That's safe. It's it's unreal how like these are not even lip, like there nobody is saying these that these pregnancies could be carried to term and you're still going to not allow a medical procedure that's like uh, doesn't make it no it's it, it's it's absolutely cruel and then and, and cruelty obviously is the point otherwise yeah. of course we would have things like childcare. We would have things like paid maternity leave or paternity leave. We would have a a country that gave a fuck about babies if this were at all about so-called babies. Um, There is, it's been, I want to stick with some of the right wingers and their responses because it's been kind of interesting um, because they're not like celebrating in the way that you would think. Um, Some of the right wingers are in the Senate specifically are kind of quiet about it. And look, if you thought that your signature issue, the thing that like was the most, you know, the thing that puts you in the seat that you're in, that was in the most important, if you really understood, as I think a lot of them do, that all of those uh, illegal fucks and alleged rapists who are on the conservative bench of the Supreme Court, um, if they, that this plan that they've been hatching for decades, this has come to fruition. This is your moment, baby. Wow. Why don't you celebrate? They're not. They're actually kind of quiet about it. You've seen that in a couple ways. Fox News, for example, and other right-wing outlets are only focusing on the leak. Oh my God, who leaked it? What happened? Well, it seems like it might've been a conservative actually who leaked it to try and lock in uh, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch and, and Barrett's votes. Um, and so, so there's that. But the other thing is they're like, they're, they're not trying to really, because they know that Roe is incredibly popular, they're not rubbing it in people's faces. So these are some talking points that they're now releasing. This is the, uh, the Senate Republicans are sharing these talking points. Said, 
saying, be compassionate, consensus building on abortion policy. While people have many different views on abortion policy, Americans are compassionate people who want to welcome every new baby oh into the God. world. No, we don't. We no, don't we actually don't. want to do they that. Don't do That's anything. the point. You know, it costs $10,000 to have a baby even with insurance. Like nothing yeah. <laughs> about it is easy and it's uh, nothing about it is made to be welcoming or helpful or healthy or <laughs> the, this country right. doesn't want us to have healthy kids. One, we don't want to welcome every new baby. Two, we're not compassionate people. So yes, wrong on all that fun, but that's cute. Uh, expose the Democrats for the extreme views they hold, the document says, arguing, quote, Joe Biden and Democrats have extreme and radical views on abortion that are outside of mainstream of most Americans. Correct. They don't. They do, no, Joe Biden's <laughs> view of abortion is extreme because he thinks that you, that it's it's like reasonable to be uh, anti-abortion and it's not fucking reasonable. That's extremist to me. Being centrist is extremist because most people don't care. Uh, yes. Why, why, why are we, why are we in a theocracy all of a sudden? Why do I have to sit here and be ruled by your fucking Bible that is made up also? Why don't you just quote the damn Bible in this ruling or whatever? <laughs> like, I mean, this is, this is my thing too. I'm like, I would rather them just like wag the Bible at me. Cause I'm like, Oh, great. You're insane. You're a crazy religious person rather than actually make a lot of them are making all these like illegal arguments, like Alito's fucking legal argument. Fuck you, dude. That was a that was a conservative Supreme Court that voted on Roe. All right. Now you're going to tell me that there's no legal precedent. It's not in the Constitution and yada, yada, yada. Stop using your like dumbass legal precedent. And again, the Ben Shapiro's of the world, the like sort of the the wannabe conservative intellectuals do the same thing when actually all it's about is taking away rights from half the American population and And are you a religious zealot or not? Making something that is already incredibly emotional and traumatic, even more traumatic because uh, most of these decisions, it's just going to be fear. It's like you get pregnant, even if you want to get pregnant, it's scary. If you miscarry, you could be prosecuted. All this stuff is scary. It makes, it just makes Mm -hmm. having a family, even if you want it very fucking scary. The same way it's like, if you go in and as, as you and I know, it's like, if you you go in, you don't know what's going to happen in that hospital and you don't know if you're covered by your health insurance that is like expensive already you don't know if this guy who's putting a needle in your spine is covered by your insurance even though the hospital is making you use this guy like the all these things that you're supposed to like check ahead it's it's an impossible trap of keeping you scared and like powerless and And, poor and and well the other yeah i mean and i mean yeah you've got personal experience with that and you know on a so such a lightweight form of it like i you know, signed up for a different healthcare plan and I didn't know it started there. No one told me it started after they charged me. It like started a week later and I went and I saw the doctor beforehand. And so now I'm out whatever, $400, whatever that visit was. And it's just like, I'm not going to pay it. I'm going to argue, but no, it's just a little, it, little thing. Like it sounds that, like that. You know? That's my. T- it's also like you, I've I've argued down bills. Like I argued down a nine thousand dollar bill to to four fifty, and you're just like because it's all made up. But you, but then it's that's yes. my time. That took me. It took you know a week of constant like just Judaism, just calling and calling and calling and calling and being like, hello, I'm your problem now. And we're in this together, you and me, and I'm our problem (laughs) and we have to solve this. But that, but those hours of time that like, I'm a freelancer that is money. (laughs) Those are like hours. If I paid myself for it, it would be almost back up to the bill. Absolutely. 
that that's exactly right. That's the only way to to actually uh, get anything or not become bankrupt uh, in our healthcare system. Yeah. So it's all and like I keep having that phrase, you know, abortion is healthcare, just kind of like ringing in my ear, like as I'm sleeping. It's like just, the most basic healthcare. Abortion it's like, is healthcare. It's healthcare when you are literally trying to have a family, and you're like, is uh, we have a, a friend now who's who just had to have who just miscarried and had to have a DNE which is like even later term. And she's so sad. Like she's sad because she lost the baby she wanted. I can't even, and then it's like on top of that, you're going to get like, whether the cop's going to come into the room, uh, like, and, and question what you did to like, you're it's, it's already like such a toxic, disgusting. The question alone is, is, yes. Is so unhealthy. Well, let's look at what the response was from, you know, our fearless leaders, uh, specifically Joe Biden of, you know, he's got control of the executive branch. Democrats have control of the Senate. Democrats have control of the House for now. Pack that court. (sighs) Here he was. (laughs) I'm like, part of me just died when you said that because I know it won't happen. Here he was responding to a question on whether or not he would suspend, amend, abolish the filibuster, which is the only way that something like uh, codifying Roe v. Wade, making sure that it cannot be undone, you know, piecemeal like this in different states, uh, even if this is overturned. Because as we know, the Women's Health Protection Act was passed in the House but it was not passed in the Senate. It is not, I don't believe has been up for a vote in the Senate yet. So here's what he had to say. And this is on the day that this news of the leak dropped. I'm not, I'm not prepared to make those judgments now about, uh, but you know, uh, I think the codification of Roe makes a lot of sense. Look, I think what Roe says, Roe says what all basic mainstream religions have historically concluded, that the the existence of a human life and being is a question. Is it at the moment of conception? Is it six months? Is it six weeks? Is Is it quickening like Aquinas argued? I mean, so the idea that we're going to make a judgment that is going to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court. I think goes way overboard. Thank you. What? Why is everyone so old? Every this is a man who, if he was our grandfather, we wouldn't be letting him drive anymore. It's like stop. Enough. Why are these people? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi you know is not supposed to be driving. She shouldn't be. <laughs> And they're both driving the country uh, right into the ground. And no, it's here. Just say abortion is a woman's choice. It's the pregnant person's choice. It is an individual choice. It is not the job of the government to decide. This is about personal freedom. Thank you. Good night. And you that's even half of what he said. The beginning of what he said is, I don't think I'm going to basically do anything about it. No, I don't. I think we should codify rope, but. I'm not ready to say we should amend the filibuster. Not even for this. Not even for this. They're just playing fundamental on a issue. Different 
field. They're on a they're playing a completely different sport. And it's like the Republicans are just dunking and dunking and dunking and we're like bu- and we're like bunting on a baseball field and they're like we're not even counting that cuz it's the basketball <laughs> we're playing. That's <laughs> what are we I'm doing? I moved the basketball. It's like we're, we're being nice, and we're being centrist cuz cuz we want we don't want to scare them. And it's like fuck that. They're not scared. They're so emboldened. It, they're they're taking away the majority rule. There's no democracy anymore. We're, the vote doesn't matter if they're like <laughs> If bunting on a basketball field is very funny. And then you're like, just, okay, just use the bat. Just hit their knees. Do something. Do something. Flat. You have a bat. Do anything. <laughs> we voted so, to give you the bat. <laughs> it's, it, it's, you know, I, I, there was a follow-up, not a press conference specifically from Joe Biden, which honestly I would have wanted on this issue, but there was a follow-up. And uh, it's not much better. Let's just watch a little bit of of his response as he had time to sort of clear his head. And this is what he's saying. This is about a lot more than abortion. I I hadn't read the whole opinion at that time. But this reminds me of the debate with Robert Bork. Bork believed the only reason you had any inherent rights was because the government gave them to you. If you go back and look at the opening comments of the Bork-Biden when I was questioning him as chairman, I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union here to delegate some obligation, some rights I have to the governments for, for social good. So the idea that somehow there is an inherent right that there is no right of privacy, that there is no right. And remember the debate we had, you don't remember, but we had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There had been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it. Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and I'm, my guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history. If only someone were... God, I don't know, president. Like, what if, what if you were like just like the most powerful man in the country, maybe even the world? What would you do? It's so scary. You're right. You're All right. these rights are being taken away. It's scary. If like, only I were president. God damn it. That's why they act like it's like they act like they're like, well, we can't and we can't do anything because we can't break the rules. And it's like the rules are all made up. Make new ones. Make them. <laughs> It is exactly like your hospital bill. It's all made up. It's made up. It's- you just need a Jewish mom to call and call and call and call and go, no, no, no. It's 450 and I want 15 judges and yes. and yes. give me my rights back. Absolutely. And then I won't write a Yelp review about this fucking country. <laughs> Ooh, our Yelp reviews must be so bad right now. <laughs> I, I just want Yelp reviews from foreigners being like, I visited America. Mm, 
overrated. It's so embarrassing that we're just like, uh, like the, it's like, even like Veep and Handmaid's Tale all seem like super lame now. Like it's all this, so this lame. is worse than those things. <laughs> we're literally going to be going to Canada. And it is funny that the thing that felt the most accurate house of cards is no longer because Kevin Spacey's a, pre- a sexual predator. Like if, and he, actually, and because he got canceled, because he got kicked off the show, because the, the actual sexual predator would not, <laughs> would, right, 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 right. would be yeah, in the fucking exactly. Supreme Court. Frank Underwood is totally fine. Frank Underwood keeps on like live and he gets reelected, whatever yeah. the fuck else happens. <laughs> the, the most unrealistic thing about that show is that the main actor who was proven to be a sexual predator was fired. <laughs> that is not realistic <laughs> to politics in this country. <laughs> Let's look at one person who did stand up and then talk about some shittier Dems, um, which is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York uh, had this to say, and it was actually nice. I know we had Elizabeth Warren being like, I'm angry. And you're like, Oh, I like that. <laughs> like, I love when you're angry and you shake like a leaf. I'm just kidding. She's, she's fine. Um, but here's Kirsten Gillibrand uh, saying what needs to be said. This is an issue that is defining for this country today. And if the American people don't stand up for equality for every American at this moment in time, we will be undermining a right to privacy in more than this context. Women deserve freedom and bodily autonomy. We deserve to be able to make decisions about when we are having children, under what circumstances we are having children, how many children we are having, and at what time we are having children. I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. Imagine you do not have authority over your own body for 10 months. Imagine if that decision-making would not be taken away even if you would die in childbirth, even if you couldn't decide who you were having children with, even if you couldn't decide when you were having that child. I don't think a man in America could actually imagine not having control of his body, his bodily functions, what happens to him, and what life would be like for 10 months. It is an outrage that we have five justices on the Supreme Court who lied, lied in their confirmation hearings in order to be confirmed. It is an outrage that in America today that our judicial system is so corrupted and so politicized and no longer representative of the will of the people. Five justices said they respect president precedents. Five said that Roe v. Wade was established precedents. Five said they would never undermine established precedent. It is unconscionable what this decision will do to the American people. Yep. And uh, they lied. We we knew they were lying. We saw them lying uh, live on C-SPAN. Uh, they were lying about, I mean. What are the Brett- consequences for lying? That's what I want to know. And this will, this will parlay into your pay- Patreon, uh, the Johnny Depp case. Because <laughs> there, it, there, there, what are the consequences when you're found out to have lied? It, it seems like you shouldn't be allowed to sit on the highest court. <laughs> to me. It I seems- mean, you... You'd get fired for like lying on your resume uh, at this point. We, look, we've all been like, yeah, I have Excel spreadsheet experience. And then you're like in Excel and you're like, what the fuck? You know, but 
this is a lot different and it's for life. That is a job for life. And they can be impeached, obviously, but the idea that we would ever have the majorities necessary, a filibuster proof majority uh, necessary to even impeach those justices is insane. And granted, you know, like Joe Manchin voted for fucking Brett Kavanaugh. But other than that, like no Democrat voted for Amy Coney Barrett. Um, so there is, you know, they tried to hold the line. There was not a lot they could do. Um, but it's incredible to me that you're just like, God damn, you're going to let Mitch fucking McConnell just shut down the whole government. Shut it down. Don't get money to the military. Don't vote on anything. Just shut it down until they give us what we want, which is actual representation. (laughs) Yes. uh, Is to have our vote have a matter at all. This is how far out from reality. And thank, thank God Kirsten Gillibrand was able to articulate a little bit of what I think most working people and regular people in this country are feeling, but they're so far from the idea that they wouldn't be able to pay a fucking healthcare bill. We pay for their fucking Viagra. I know for a fact, our tax dollar money pays for Mitch McConnell to get hard. I'm like, seriously, (laughs) this is the level that we, we pay for that shit. They have no idea what it's like to try and make ends meet. They have no idea what it's like to get stuck with a bill. You can't pay. They have no idea what it's like to be, to want an abortion and not be able to get an abortion because of a lack of access or money. No, they will always be able to get it. And so it was nice to see that the very last thing before I bring her Robin, who's going to, she's, she's, I'm very excited, but the Democrats aren't just um, terrible in terms of a, a message messaging and a response. They're not, not just terrible in terms of not, not doing away with the filibuster. It doesn't seem like Kirsten cinema um, is in favor of doing away with a filibuster in order to enshrine um, uh, reproductive rights. But they're specifically allowing um, anti-choice Democrats to continue to run and are supporting them, like Henry Cuellar. Henry Cuellar in Texas, um, who is going up for a runoff election against Jessica Cisneros, who is a progressive justice Democrat, uh, on March, excuse me, on May 24th. Democratic leadership, as in uh, Nancy Pelosi and Jim Clyburn, are still supporting the House's only anti-abortion Democrat, who is Henry Cuellar. Um, Henry Cuellar was the only one who did not vote for that Women's Health Protection Act. He secured support from the highest ranks of the Democratic leadership in the House, as he did in 2020. Speaker Nancy Pelosi in Dover Square in March, even after an FBI raided his home, which was connected to the practices of an unnamed U.S. businessman and the nation of Azerbaijan. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, the prospect reported, announced his endorsement on the same day as the FBI raid. The same fucking day! Like, well, it was... I already had the email drafted, you know... (laughs) What are you going to do? Um, and then last week, of course, uh, Mr. James Clyburn just, uh, you know, really putting his finger on the the scale here against progress, no matter where it is. Um, House Majority Whip uh, would join him for a get out the vote rally in San Antonio scheduled for today. This was this week. So, again, this is an anti-choice Democrat still being allowed to run. And mind you, Nancy Pelosi for a very long time has said it's okay to be anti-choice and a Democrat. 
No, it's not. It's actually not at all okay. It's fine to not personally want to get an abortion or endorse a family member, whatever it is. You can personally be against it, but it's not okay for you to actively be against the like reproductive rights as they stand. And I would argue, and this is the last thing I'll say, it is on the Democrats for their massive failure for not having a plan of action to combat all the ways that we saw the Supreme Court justices being groomed to fill the seats that they are now sitting in. And also, obviously, thinking that, oh, you know, it's the law of the land. They lied to him. Yeah, they fucking lied to you because they've been talking about it behind closed doors for a million years about how they want to undo Roe. So what are you going to do about it? What have they done about it? They haven't even they don't even say the word abortion, as Liz Winstead said on this show. Biden doesn't say the word abortion. They tiptoe around it. They allow Democrats who are anti-choice to run. And this was from uh, Heather uh, Digby. She writes in Salon that Democrats have never run on basically being more uh, aggressive and offensive on abortion rights, apparently because they felt it was a settled issue, which meant they could play around with it on the edges to possibly attract a few anti-choice votes without really putting much of anything on the line. They acted skittish about it and carried, and it carried over to policy, like the Hyde Amendment banning government assistance for abortion to the egregious political malpractice that led to the showdowns over abortion coverage in the Affordable Care Act, they have never put any muscle into defending this right that majorities clearly support. If anything, they have used abortion as a bargaining chip, giving the impression that it is an expendable issue they can give to the other side without consequence. Joe Biden was supportive of the Hyde Amendment. That is part of that. I mean, remember the entire, not only was it part of the ACA too, not funding health care, but then remember how uh, fucking uh, birth control became a huge sticking point with Republicans about the ACA. Oh, please, please. I'll do anything to be able to afford $50 a month. Jesus Christ. I'm, like, so, I'm still so confused how they could be, uh, they are a, uh, they don't want abortion and they don't want health care. What, what do you want? <laughs> what are you, you mean? Like, yeah, they, they contraception, you mean uh, birth control. They no, they don't. It's like, okay. It, even if we were in this universe where we're, we're like uh, women are on earth to solely carry the, uh, you know, the seed of men or whatever mm-hmm. to fruition. Mm-hmm. Fine. Even in that fucking world, where's the health care? Give me the free health care. Yep. If you don't want that, all of it's always been a lie. It's always been a lie, whatever the, the reason that they're doing it. The, the, even the Republicans, play, also, not the Democrats are just like corporate shills and they always have been. And that's why they're like, they're, it's, they've just been around to hold the line to just be like, okay, well, let's just not let the poor people get everything. Right. And so that's yeah, why Hillary Clinton will win. Oh, motherfuckers, you ran the wrong candidate. And back to the old people thing, last thing I'll say. I do feel like Bernie would say something different in this moment. In fact, he has. And I feel like standing on a national stage as the most powerful guy in the fucking country, most powerful person, defend a woman's right to choose. Defend the right to choice. He's a 95-year-old Catholic. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't know what to say in this moment. He's not supposed to – It's he, he doesn't represent the most, most of this country. Yeah. He's take that Catholics. <laughs> he is. He is. All right. We got to move on. All let's right. talk about, let's bring in my other guests for the rest of the show. She's a proud socialist and a city council member for Minneapolis's Ward 2. Please Woo. welcome 
Robin Wansley. Hello, everyone. Hi, Robin. <laughs> I was on fire. I was hearing from the back room. I was like, oh, <laughs> right. <then." laughs> Sorry. I, re- I didn't realize how quickly that would go, which was like, do, 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 do. Like, oh, there's so much more to bitch about. We didn't even get to Matt Gates talking about how uh, sad, unfulfilled women went to go protest, you know, and they're going to go home to their cats and their microwave meals. And I'm like, that's better than a night with your ass. Like, really? That doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah. It doesn't amazing. sound at all bad. <laughs> I love kitty cats. Um, Robin, okay, so you you were recently elected in, is it 2021 that you were elected to city council? No, this January, January 3rd. Congratulations. Congratulations on yes. your victory, which yes. I know was was hard fought. And, and, and tell me, you know, I... I guess I want to talk about your ward specifically, but I guess mm-hmm. more specifically about Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the place where two years ago George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, now two years later, you have the murder of Amir Locke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I just sticking with the 2020 moment, mm-hmm. what's been like the lasting impact? Um, we'll get to the police and politicians, but like, but just almost like culturally, like on a, on a feeling level, like what, mm-hmm. how was the city, and was the city forever changed after that moment? Yeah. And I would broaden it out from just the city, the world. I mean, the the public lynching by the Minneapolis Police Department of George Floyd literally happened in front of the world. The, the world watched as it happened. Um, and in the following days, the world also took up action. I mean, in the course, the site or, or the origin story happened here, but the world kind of followed suit where, you know, the uprising that would take place here um, in Minneapolis would then ripple all across the United States, making it, you know, one of the most historic civil rights, um, you know, reckonings in U.S. history. And then that rippled across the world where we saw more than, uh, you know, dozens of actions in more than, I believe at that time, 50 plus countries. Um, and I think yeah. it, it signifies what we're even experiencing now with this response or with the, the pending decision around Roy versus Wade. Um, it showed working class people just how powerful we are. Um, and I say that because I know liberal, like, you know, philosophy and, and, and the, the, the framing of the events that transpired here, here in Minneapolis um, is is not what <laughs> they don't want. What actually took place here to to be the act, actual truth: the fact that working class people, black and brown people, folks from all walks of life, literally rose up in the streets by the the thousands, and mm-hmm. and not only demanded an end to the policing that led to the violent. Um, death of George Floyd, but a policing that constantly wreak havoc and terror on all of our lives. And not only did they say, you know, we need that to end. If you don't, shit is going to get real. And let, and and to make sure you understand that we're going over to this third pr- uh, police precinct <laughs> and we're burning this bitch down. And <laughs> I know liberal, especially here, the Democrats uh, have done a really great um, job at painting um, this narrative that there were outside agitators that took over the third precinct 
that um, in, incited the riots. Um, and I want to say that is inherent and intentional whitewashing. While it's mm. true that our city did have a dynamic where we saw outside agitators that were affiliated with white supremacist networks, um, this the events that happened on this ground was rooted in working class people's oppression and basically just their their immense amount of, of frustration and just complete over it like energy with that oppression that yeah. you know George Floyd's murder represented but along with the the covid pandemic the mismanagement of that so many things of that you already highlighted about you know that was a moment where racial capitalism was very clearly proven to be trash like we have this global pandemic where you know years ago you could have guaranteed universal health care so that everyone um, could have access to the healthcare uh, services and, and providers that they needed to weather this, that we could have had the treatments available to us to weather this. And instead, we allow millions of folks to die, not ho- only here in Minneapolis, I mean, in the U.S., but across the world. So you just saw on both ends under this trash ass system of racial capitalism, like the the colliding of of racism and and how that mm-hmm. intersects with policing but also around like healthcare and 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 our our inability to have our basic needs met, be met like that yeah. just collided and it was an explosive force and working class right. people was like fuck it and we're saying that now like once exactly <laughs> y'all want to take yeah. may rights that we fought for decades ago i fuck it we're in the streets now I mean, yeah. yeah, I think that we forget that that moment because we we want to forget because the pandemic has been just so taxing on all of us for many different reasons. But you're exactly right that you're like the, the thing that really obviously a lynching in daylight in front of people. I mean, like that bone chillingness is already there. But on top of it, you're talking about a reduced, you know, a moment of a pandemic, a reduced state, like, oh, there's nowhere to be found. We can't even get a mask, a free mask, you know, to save our fucking lives. Yeah, but y'all have a tank coming through. But you've got a tank, but you've got some, yeah, someone's knee on someone's neck over some, uh, what, a supposed counterfeit bill? Well, we we saw the, we just saw this uh, a few days ago in Los Angeles, the, when people went out to protest the abortion rights, the police response was insane. And that's terrorism. It's like, if we can't even go out and say that we don't agree with this and we don't want this, then we're not in, that's not freedom. Like why are Mm -hmm. our tax dollars paying for us to be pushed out of the street? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. But it highlights the role of policing under an unjust system of racial capitalism. It's there to maintain the boundary between us, the peasants, uh, whose rights are constantly under threat, the ones who are constantly told we need to be civil to our very oppressors who attack our everyday needs and our everyday rights. The police helps to reinforce that boundary of us and the ruling elite. The ruling elite is the, the SCOTUS members who can make decisions about our lives. It's the, the politicians who align themselves with, you know, big pharma industries and healthcare industries. It's those who uh, are aligned with Jeff Bezos and make sure that his profits are straight. And police are there to keep us in check and, and to make sure we don't do what we're doing right now. What we did in 2020 in the wake of George Floyd is revolt against those mm-hmm. who make 
our days, our everyday lives, a living hell. They wake up every single day and choose violence in the Mm -hmm. most insidious ways. And when we literally say that is violence, all I have, we ain't got no tanks. All I can do is just stand in the streets and say, stop. All I can do is show up to, uh, you know, the Capitol or the White House and be like, this is not right. We're then violent. We're abusive. <laughs> We're not, you know, handling things well. Um, but mm-hmm. again, it just illuminates the role of policing and shows actually who, who, where the police is actually aligned with their interests. And I hope it's crystallized in this moment that in every so- single historic social struggle in our country and across the world, the police has never joined the side of the right, of the mm-hmm. oppressed, of those who, you know, civil liberties were, were under attack, who was being gassed. <laughs> like they were never yeah. on the right side of history. Yeah, they've always been there to protect property. That was that they were designed. To, that's their origin story. <laughs> yes, and exactly, and that often was human beings. Yeah. Um, okay. And and so you know, talk to me about you know now you're on city council. Mm-hmm. Amir Locke, 22 years old, he is killed in as he's sleeping on the couch of a friend. He's in a blanket. If you guys obviously seen that footage, it's just it's again like bone chilling. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like it's just disgusting. And this is under a mayor who has had promised to end no knock warrants in Minneapolis. You're now on the city council and you've actually had a lot of strong words um, for, is it mayor Frey or mayor Fry? Uh, Mayor Jacob Fry. Mayor Jacob Fry. So what are you calling for and what does Amir Locke and, and I know others sort of um, kill death and murder what does that signify to you about this promise of reform? Well, as as someone who clearly identifies as an abolitionist, uh, who, you know, my entire campaign um, and even my charge as now uh, elected uh, council member, a government official has been around using my platform, using my power to, you know, create a new model of public safety uh, that does not or has no roots in policing. We need to be moving away from just the expansion of the police state and by that uh, armed um, law enforcement apparatus that is not charged with uh, tending to the actual, you know, comprehensive uh, array of crises that working class people experience from mental health crisis. That is rampant, especially when we're talking about gender dynamics, domestic violence. The system of policing that we have right now is not um, meeting the needs of that. Um, and even let's talk about the the crimes that is actually often committed under capitalism. They're not here resolving investigations around wage theft. Um, they're not <laughs> the ones who are addressing, um, you know, the violation of of human rights within many of our our corporate, uh, you know, um, headquarters and businesses in the city. Like they're not meeting these expansive list of needs that you know working class people experience on a day to day. And mm-hmm. as we noted, they were not designed to to create that. So for me, my charge is really around how do we use, for instance, the creation of a 
new Department of Public Safety um, as that that baseline where we can actually invest in the aspects of our current um, public safety services, at least in the city. We just received a phenomenal presentation from our unarmed safety uh, workers where the data backs it. They're doing amazing. The community loves to see um, those workers in the community tending to people who have mental health crises. Um, They want to see people um, not with a badge, not with a gun to address traffic violations, like even the everyday conflicts that we constantly bring in these aggressive law enforcement officers to tend to and then be surprised that someone dies or get assaulted. They're excited that we're not bringing that in. We're moving that away. Um, So I want to see the investment of that. I want to see more mental Mm. health services. I want to see our unarmed um, safety apparatus grow, be fully staffed and have that be the model. But I also want that to be coupled with a very aggressive model of accountability that has a democratic um, oversight capabilities that's built within and how are we bringing the public as we've seen with SCOTUS, the issue is we have constantly unelected parties making decisions about our everyday lives and 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 we often have no say um, in mm. the decisions that they make. That happens with policing as it stands. Right now under our, our charter, it's the mayor um, who has the legal authority uh, to enforce oversight over our police department. That excludes the public. And that's been reflective in why we're in this moment, you know, with Amir Locke being killed even and two years ago with George Floyd. It shows mm-hmm. that, you know, the current model of policing, the oversight, the lack of political will amongst our mayor, amongst the, the leadership of police departments to even wrangle um, their, their, you know, uh, <laughs> terrorizing law enforcers, it constantly puts us in these, these positions where people are dying. It constantly jeopardizes the credibility of, of yes, we need systems of public safety, um, but it does not have to be rooted in violent interactions. It doesn't have to be uh, rooted in enforcing um, unjust uh, relational ways of being uh, with one mm-hmm. another, where you're more interested in making sure your boss, the targets, you know, in our city, uh, make sure they have their their goods protected as opposed to someone who is like struggling with a, a mental health crisis. That That's your priority. Right. So right. I'm looking at building something broader than that because we need something broader than that. And if we don't build something broader than that, we're going to keep having black and brown people. And I want to know too, Justine Diamond that was killed in a fluent area of Minneapolis, a white Australian woman just several years ago. This impacts everyone. When we had the uprising, as you mentioned, tanks was rolling through predominantly white neighborhoods too. And the the SWAT team and the National Guards were throwing flash grenades at white people. Those flash grenades did not have any type of direction on them that was only meant for black people. <laughs> everyone was getting them. So mm-hmm. that's what's at stake right now if we yeah. do anything meaningful about public safety. Can I ask you about question two, which um, and, and maybe your involvement in that, which didn't pass, but it was the idea. Well, I mean, you can explain it about about but briefly creating a public safety unit that is not the police. Uh, explain what it was and um, maybe kind of thoughts on like where to from here, considering it didn't pass. Yeah. So question two had two big main components to it um, that I somewhat touched that one. It was recognizing the police department needed to be completely eliminated. Not That was the starter. Like George Floyd should have been a clear indicator that 150 years of the policing that we've had to endure 
it's not effective, it's violent, it's racist, and it needs to go. The second piece was the way that our current policing staffing is structured, thanks to our uh, police union, uh, which, by the way, for several years was headed by a known white supremacist, the president, Bob Pro, former uh, president, was in line with white supremacist groups. Um, they helped create a staffing minimum in their contract that basically says majority of our policing um, officers or personnel needs to be walking the beat in our communities. They need to be charged with visibility mm-hmm. only. It don't matter if you don't solve one crime. We just need you to be patrolling and all over the, the communities, especially black and brown communities. Um, the 70, 30% rule. Basically, the charter would eliminate that because it's very clear. We even, as as um, council, received a presentation that um, noted that MPD staffing levels is actually way higher than it needs to be based off of our service calls right now. And mm. it actually advocated for the creation of more unarmed uh, safety uh, personnel to tend to, again, all these other crises that law enforcement are not equipped to, to address. Um, but this policing staffing minimum prevents us from putting majority of our uh, public safety personnel towards the areas where they need to go. And then right. the oversight piece, that was the third biggest piece. Right now, again, the mayor has sole authority over our police department. And it's clear he's trash. For, I mean, we just had <laughs> two weeks ago uh, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights investigation. And by the way, we're also, um, it's, it, uh, anticipating uh, another investigative report from the Department of Justice, but the Human Rights Department looked at a 10-year period and basically said, this department has been racist, been misogynist, been violent, has violated rampant you know, human rights um, in the community for this decade. And by the way, half of that decade, the leadership of this department, the oversight you know, leader was our current mayor, Mayor Jacob Fry. So in hindsight of that, the the charter uh, change would basically say, look, mayor, it's clear. This ain't your, your, your strong suit. You need, <laughs> help. <laughs> you need some help. And the best help you can get is from the legislative body, the, the city yeah. council. We represent the public. We are the avenue of bringing the public into our decision making. So let us help with managing and enforcing accountability over this trash department. That was the baseline. And of course- Got it. No. Why would we want to do that? The ruling class in Minneapolis was like, nope, we don't want no public engagement. In fact, we know our current manager and boss is so trash, but that don't even matter. We're going to give him more power. We're going to make sure he can also control more than 20 other departments, including the other department that he's historically failed at managing. Like you got reward. <laughs> I love Twitter. He's failing up. <laughs> he's failing upwards. The reward yeah. of being a mediocre white man in Minneapolis, <laughs> like it's just beautiful. America <laughs> Fry is a complete embodiment of that. And as a result of it, people keep dying. And also you keep repressing movements who are looking to disturb and, and eradicate the barriers that he, the system of white supremacy, that capitalism represents in our city that allows black and brown people and working class people to continue to be under attack by our very policing department. And we're here being like, we need something new. And you all are like, no, we need the status quo and don't hold us accountable on that. So that's kind of the summary of question two and kind of what happened. They defeated it. They got all rich, wealthy people to come out and vote against it. (laughs) 
And, and, but, but like the, you know, I think the takeaway sadly on a national level um, was like, Oh, defund isn't popular, but it did not fail by that much. If my numbers are right, 44% said yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 56%, 44% yes is huge. Yeah. I mean, and I know there's probably a lot of hindsight and, you know, thoughts on strategy, but 44% is a good number to work with. I mean, if you're starting, starting at 12%, just from a campaign perspective, and I'm no organizer, but even I know I'm like that you could work with. That is like, you have a failed system if 44% of people are like, no, we need something completely new. Yes, absolutely. And there's still the uh, energy. I mean, I got to also represent an opening of that, of, of those those numbers, like someone who ran unapologetically as a socialist, um, as someone who's been very active in our Black Lives Matter movement around dismantling um, policing as it stands around, uh, you know, addressing police brutality. And my campaign actually created a vision, a socialist vision for uh, a public safety. And I'm in the position right now where through the creation of this new Department of Public Safety, we get to build exactly that. And we get to build that um, alongside working class people at the driving seat, in the driving seat mm-hmm. of creating this new vision. Um, and it's become very clear, you know, with the mayor lock. Also, I want to name too uh, some of the successful markers of the opposition to question two was basically our mayor and the corporate wing of our city basically being like, trust our token black police chief. He's going to take care of everything. He's going to save all the dying babies in the hood. We're good. And then literally six weeks later, that man bounced up out of here, was like, retired. I, right, you do wow. it. You know, bye. And ever since, it's been a shit show. The mayor did not anticipate just his whole world, the, the, the fear-based community he created throughout the campaign to stall our, our, camp, our campaign for a new model of public safety is just crumbling around him. Um, so mm-hmm. we're seeing this opening um, and I'm I'm excited that this is opening is merging with this this um, growing also just like active organizing and and protest that's happening on the ground as a result of the SCOTUS decision. And I hope people recognize that these decisions are interrelated. Like yeah. what happens around policing is not separate from what happens around the future of our reproductive rights. And I come like the quote in regards to the Holocaust. Um, from a minister, what what was his name? Nick, uh, was it uh, Nicholas? Uh, no, German pastor Martin. I'm not gonna try to pronounce his first birthday, <laughs> but like when he's talked about, you know, first they came for the communists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a communist, and they came for the socialists, mm-hmm. I didn't speak out, and then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew, then they came for me, and then there was no one left to, to speak for me. I hope people recognize this is currently in the, we're in these times. Yeah. They've come for the black folks, you know? Yeah. Those white women who elected Trump should take notice because now they're coming (laughs) for your ability to have privacy with your doctor. Like it's not just abortion. And and like, and I do think that like, you know, on the, the like sort of silver lining to how fucked this you know, in terms of Roe v. Wade is in it being overturned is the ways that I think a lot of those, for lack of a better term, you know, neoliberal Democrats who are, you know, sort of comfortable, middle, upper class, yeah, who felt like, well, their issue was done. You know, they don't oh, no, let's defund the police. No, they're crazy. They're, yeah, no, no, no. Like, it's like, no, no, no. You're down in the same 
yes. bullshit that everyone else is in, you know, has been in. We don't like with. you either. Like, <laughs> we want you out exactly. too. We don't like you and we all have to work together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to um, just, okay, thoughts on, a, on before I let you go on, on a national level, right? Um, I, I want to ask one thing. Yeah. Where do you, I've always wondered this and, and uh, since I do, it's like policing has always, there's every time somebody is shot and killed, there's the, the, the reasoning is they, someone was reaching for my gun or they were reaching for my weapon or what. And it, it's like, well, so the argument for ha- having unarmed uh, response teams it seems logical to me because it's always they were it's always when a weapon is involved <laughs> that if you if they if you didn't have a gun to reach for nobody's getting shot in that situation right mm-hmm. but but then the the and the reverse is that well there's guns are rampant in our country because there's no anti-gun laws <laughs> any gun control and so yeah. the, so there's no gun control so the police are uh, exactly the police are afraid they're and they're they're taught to be completely afraid in every interaction that some any that everybody has a gun that everybody is that's what they learn in training i'm like what the fuck are they even learning in training it's just how to get more scared Yes. Like you're the one with all of the militarized equipment. How are you more <laughs> scared? Like, shouldn't police want gun control? I guess it's like, obviously we're not aligned on anything in, in with the cops. And, but it seems like we should be aligned on that. Like the one thing, yeah. don't they want that also? Don't they want to not be every, every thing they roll up on to potentially have a gun? Like, don't they want the guns out of here? Well, I think that gets back at the point that I raised earlier of like, this should, I hope crystallize for other segments of working class people, especially suburbia, you know, uh, middle-class white women who often think, you know, policing issues are only rele- relegated to, you know, the most impoverished communities, communities of color. Um, that, you know, again, where the police is actually the line with from a, a pure class standpoint, because um, I would broaden it out. Yes, police should be absolutely for gun control. But I remember asking uh, a law enforcer uh, just several weeks ago, because we also have a rent control um, you know, happening here in Minneapolis, organizing to make that possible and follow suit behind St. Paul, which currently has the strongest rent control policy in the country. I, If we know the data backs that the communities that are most over police are those that have been least divested in, meaning they have the most or least uh, uh, investment in actually quality, affordable housing. Um, and that then requires you as a law enforcer to go spend your time out with the sole purpose of basically, you know, going around these subpar housing areas and basically picking up people, making contact with those in poverty. In that case, shouldn't that mean you should be for rent control? Right. If that means you do not have to then keep having these negative interactions with with people based off of their lack of access to quality, affordable, and public housing. The same yeah. with climate. Yeah, yeah. If you truly did not want to have to constantly be in contact with communities who are being deprived of clean air, shouldn't you be for also climate justice? If that means you no longer have to have these negative interactions, these criminalizing and violent interactions with people just based off of the lack of, of access to civil liberties and basic necessities, mm-hmm. you should be for that. Right. But yeah. do or, we I mean, see them show up at the actions for rent control? No. Do we see them show up right now for actions to protect safe abortions? 
No, we see them doing the opposite. So it just shows where, again, whose side are they really on? Totally. Like, aren't they tired of being like capitalism's shitty Roomba? That just like <laughs> has to suck up all the stuff that like, you know, all the inequality, all the lack of access, all the stuff we don't spend money on, you know, like, you know, like they're just like, they're like, oh, I guess I'll just eat more shit. You know, like that is, you know, and, and of course, we'll, we'll give you a bunch of money and we'll give you a bunch of weapons and everything will be great. Like, it is also not a great position. And if police didn't, weren't um, fucking like bullying the unhoused for half their job, which it feels like, especially in places like California, it feels like that's what it is. Um, Hey, maybe they'd have, I don't know, a a nicer day of work. I don't, I don't, you know, like, uh, less calls, more donuts. And we see it because in the imaginary or imaginary of, I think the public, especially when it comes to public safety, you think of rural areas, you know, you think of the suburban areas where no, their police departments are probably not having the same interactions with their resident. You have the police officer or the sergeant who grew up in your community. Probably it was like several generations. They daddy, they great granddaddy was the sergeant of the town. Um, like they are the ones giving donuts and stuff. To to the kids, you know, high-fiving them on the way to school. Like, they see that as, like, reflective of our entire policing system of, like, no, this is fine. And it's like, you know why it's fine in suburbia? You know why it's fine in affluent communities? It's because, again, you're not having to deal with a young person who is, you know, acting up because they didn't get sleeping at night because they didn't know where they were staying. You didn't have to deal with the homeless person because everyone has housing in that community. You didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with a person and enduring mental stress because they lost their job because people have quality and gainful employment in that community. So like, let's fix that part, you know? Yeah. I also want to say I that I grew up in a place like that. I grew up in rural South and, and uh, the cops were not solving crimes. Like they <laughs> simply <laughs> were completely ineffective. And like, we made fun of like one to our house got broken into. And then the cop came and was like, he walked around, around the house and came back around and then pointed at his own footprints and was like footprints. And we were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's that's the same story i heard a similar story of like it's just not effective it's just like if we could have just send they're they're so dumb there's also like i think a friend told me a story of like a small town and yeah the cop was like it's like yeah the home was burglarized and they come in with like guns drawn you're like no 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 days ago they're like "I'm i'm a fucking hero like no 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 you're not you're an idiot right now um Robin, last words on the national agenda around um, policing and specifically because we haven't seen much action, even the kind of like lightweight George Floyd justice and policing, which, Mm -hmm. you know, eliminates no knock warrants and things like that um, has not been passed. Do just just please thoughts (laughs) on this this issue at a federal level. Again, I think this gets at. What we should be looking at with just some of the Supreme Court, um, you know, organizing and as someone who ran as an independent democratic socialist, I fully did so because I believe the way in which we get any type of concessions, any type of transformative change, it, it has to happen through independent political organizing. It cannot be done um, in the faith of a democratic party that's just on this, the opposite side of the same coin in terms of, a, you know, being in full mm-hmm. alignment with the wishes and desires of the corporate elite that really runs our, our country. So, you know, I think we placed our hopes and dreams um, in the wake of, of George Floyd 
into a political system and to specifically democratic politicians um, who said, we're going to do something. And how many times have we heard that? Yeah. They, they were going to, you know, deliver on debt cancellation. People still paying. <laughs> uh, how many times, like we've heard, like they have been promising and, and, and saying they were going to deliver all these things outside of policing for a number of years and it never happens. So, hmm. I mean, we should not be surprised that the same party that again is in alignment with the corporate elite and as we established earlier if they're in alignment with them as well as the police the police is there to not only protect the wealth the assets of the corporate elite but also the politicians who are part of that same you know Mm -hmm. uh it's like democrats are republicans and republicans are terrorists (laughs) and there's (laughs) and there's that's the system that we're in the conversation has moved so far right like even since we were since i was a kid and i grew up in north carolina where that they've gerrymandered it so in such an insane way where the the majority of the people i grew up around are liberal and there's simply been no representation in that state for Mm -hmm. my entire life and there's like the the, we have to just stop thinking that democrats give a fuck (laughs) and start Mm -hmm. and start being like let's elect gen z and just like it's it's all all Instagram government. No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, I don't give a shit, man. I'll, I I trust a TikTok choreographed dance. Like that's doing more on a lot of issues than like elected officials. Yes, present company excluded. <laughs> but we organize ourselves at the end of the day to do exactly what we're doing. You know, keeping the pressure on. I do want to know um, that you, we brought up a mirror lock. A mirror. Also, murder, you can see that right now. The world has the ability through the city of Minneapolis to watch that young man be killed by the police, wrapped in a blanket right now, and no charges were brought forward. The only difference was there was no uprising. Why, when George Floyd, you know, was murdered, less than seven days after Derek Chauvin killed him in front of the world, the police precinct burned down. There was massive uprising Mm -hmm. happening through the city and across the country Less than seven days later, that the 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 ruling elite of our city was like, I will take we'll take this L. Chauvin, you got to get charges. Yeah. And it shouldn't require that. But I, I think of that window of period where we saw mass mobilizations and organizing happening on the ground outside of our political parties and just the miss amount of pressure that that put on our political system. We saw everyone being like, oh, God, let me run a check. Like Banks was ready to like uh, create all the public housing. They was like, "We'll we'll reparations right now." Like that window of opportunity. Like everyone wanted to give something, make a concession to try to reinstore uh, order in the status quo. And I think we need to take lessons from that. Of like independent mass organizing and mobilizations. I think it's also the way to go to deliver the gains and and a new model of public safety. And it has to be tied to a class analysis. We have to Mm -hmm. know that, again, we're not doing this against your Uncle Bob. Your Uncle Bob might be cool, but Uncle Bob is inherently working for an institution that is not for the working class. It is designed to not be for that class. It's designed to not be for Black people. It's not designed to be for uh, protecting our civil liberties. And if we can accept that, then that allows us to really build for something different, something meaningful. And there are experts in our communities who know what that looks like. People fear that we're going to be starting from scratch. We don't know what to do. We are brilliant. We know what is necessary right now to keep people safe. And we also know uh, what is what we've had to endure that does not keep 
get keep people safe. Let's mm-hmm. lean into our cre- creativity and our brilliance and trust that collectively we can build something better. We have a charge. We have a responsibility to one another to do that. We're seeing that with reproductive rights. We all know like this fight is for all of us. It's for future mm-hmm. generations. And if we need to go and get rid of SCOTUS or oust all these Democrats to make something yes. new happen, then people are like, I'm down. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> the court is completely illegitimate. The court is yes. absolutely yes. illegitimate at this point. It does, it, it, it's, it's, there's, there's no hallowed ground anymore. It's just like, no. get, get them out or pack it. And let's. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. So that Francesca's See daughter like can a be fucking... a slut. Like all I want <laughs> yes, is for your please. daughter to be able to be a slut as God intended. And I don't want to be a grandma. Like I, <laughs> she could be a slut and I don't want to be a grandma. No, we should seize the court. We got to seize the court like a, you know, like if only it were like a Russian, you know, uh, yacht. Like a, if it were Putin's yacht, that's how I want to seize it. And just. That's how they did. Impound the court. Um, all right, Robin, will you stay for the one more quick yeah, segment? Absolutely. You've been amazing. You just like inspire me. And yes. you know what? You remind me also of, you know, a similar conversation I had with Tiffany Caban in, in New, New York. And, you know, the same thing is there. Yeah. You guys have access to data that tells you that the unarmed officials, people without guns and badges, as you said, are the way to go. And yet no one has the ovaries to stand up and actually do, you know, actually like put more unarmed people and take away all like Mm -hmm. more armed people. They see the data, they know what works and yet nobody actually will stick their neck out for that policy. So it is incredible to have folks like yourself, Tiffany and so many others in other cities Mm -hmm. um, who are starting to, you know, push that, push that fight into these important places so yes absolutely it's because of the Thank movement you. behind me so i have no yes choice. yeah what's the other choice <laughs> <laughs> Not, really honestly it's bad the other choice is bad there's there's no choice anymore in no. fact it's like handmade um, y'all want mm-hmm. the real episode of handmaid's tale do you really yeah we're in it that life so we're going to switch gears and ask, obviously, given all the bad things we talked about, um, what is good? I can start. Uh, <laughs> I'll start with what is good. Warm sheets right out of the dryer are so nice. Like, there's nothing. You just want to, like, you put yourself in them and you're just right back in the womb you know, or wherever you need to be. And it's the nicest feeling. No one should let dryers that like sheets that have just come out of the dryer go to waste. That's my, that's my very, very shallow. What's good. (laughs) The second thing that's good this week, I think the national labor relations board said that all the Amazon's um, like mandatory attendance meetings, they were making their workers go to that was like, we hear you have to sit for an hour. while we tell you while unions are bad, that that's illegal. And um, so, you know, the Biden administration has been fucking up on a lot of ways, but they, the NLRB has been good. And so that is what is good. Um, oh, and, and Starbucks page in the chat is saying page, the producer is saying also Starbucks. Um, Starbucks always oh, it Starbucks, not just Amazon. I thought it was both. But anyway, that is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, because the Starbucks by my house was closed today. And I thought that was interesting because 
it probably has something to do with like their anti their attempts at union busting and then like they don't have workers right now because that shit was open on christmas day you know like yeah why no, they, they probably right closed just to have an anti-union meeting Maybe. <laughs> also noting too the national uh relations labor board they didn't just wake up and chose you know accountability and like pro-unionism it took literally <laughs> like thousands of starbucks workers being like you you want your latte in the morning and not like (laughs) (laughs) like oh okay let's actually you know not like let's do something about this yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um robin what's good for you (laughs) what is good what is good oh man (laughs) this is hard um this is so hard. So my therapist makes me start with this, and it is challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want Erin to go first? I was going to say community is good. I had the, the the privilege of spending just this weekend doing a, a writing retreat with two of my close sisters. Um, and just having that time, like, it's so easy to feel alienated and isolated and just, like, in your own yuck right now because the world is shitty and it feels like hot, flaming garbage right now. And being yeah. around people who are, like, actually doing normal things and, like, living their best selves and, like, laughing. I mean, just like this, like, you know, be like, yo, it's cool for your daughter to be a slut. Like, literally, just about <laughs> it. me and my, my friends are out here trying to figure out what's a hot girl summer like for us right now. You know, it's electric. Like, I'm glad <laughs> I can like, have that conversation and just be me with my homegirls. So, just like sisterhood is so beautiful. Um, oh, that's, and, uh, oh, that sounds so nice. And when it rains, uh, when it like just newly rains, that is like the best nap mm, of weather mm, as a grown smell. person. The smell. Yes. Us LA girls were like, the smell. With it's the mostly just like wet concrete, water. though. <laughs> wet concrete. Oh, it, I think in LA, it's clean air <laughs> for one <laughs> moment. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Clean air, not um, like it to put you to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very good. I love those. Uh, Aaron, what's good for you? I also want to, I think community, even like this conversation, it's been fun to meet Robin and be inspired by like what you're doing. And I think that it it takes us back to like, as young moms, (laughs) the young, stunning moms that we are, uh, that like we can do something and we will, and that it can also be fun. Like we, it's, it's really scary, but like there is, uh, like our alignment, it can be joyful and can get something done is fun. I also really like Hawks. I'm super into <laughs> hawks soaring. I just became a third grader. I really like hawks. We're talking about the bird, right? I am talking about the bird. I am fully obsessed. There's like there's like four in my neighborhood, and I <laughs> like I feel personally connected to them. And <laughs> when I like when I go negative, I just think about a hawk soaring, and I feel better. <laughs> Can oh, I, share I love a fun that. Sorry about that. Please. My campaign logo is like Robin, like the bird. Is oh, like I clocked it. Bird. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> when we first were like trying to figure out what my logo would be, my team, 
like pulled up a bunch of different birds. And for some reason, I naturally gravitated to the hawk. I didn't know it was a hawk. The best. <laughs> Literally. And our team was like, Robin, we cannot go with a hawk. You do know hawks eat robins. Like, they, <laughs> they do eat songbirds. But That's good mice. PR. Mostly That's good team. They eat mice. <laughs> that was like, we cannot. No. So you want to be a predator? Is that what you want to communicate to your future constituents? I was like, wait. Hey, but why not, out. though? Hawks have incredible vision. They see things from miles That's away. They can, uh, they like swoop in and just get like a very specific thing done. <laughs> kind of like Robin. Yeah. My team it should be it. it should be Hawk Wansley. I uh, I've called it. <laughs> Future children here, Hawks. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how can people follow you? Um, yes. yes, please come through. Uh, drop us uh, a follow, likes on all of our social media. We have uh, Robin Number Four MPLS on Twitter, Instagram. Robin Ford spelled out. Minneapolis spelled out on Facebook. Um, check out our webpage, Robin um, F O R M P L S dot com. Um, that's our our website. We also have a podcast there where we talk to some amazing revolutionary leaders in our community and across the country who is fighting for better. Um, so check that out. But yeah, yeah, we're, we're out. Uh, we're out here and yeah, feel free to hop in the DMs if you would love to connect and chop it up about organizing you're doing in your city and how we can amplify it here in Minneapolis. That cool. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yes. Be well, take care. Uh, we'll see you again, hopefully. And Aaron, any plugs? What do you... What, what you got going on? Tell the people how they can find you. Follow you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Aaron Dewey Lennox, both of those. And then I have my um, show in Frogtown here in Los Angeles. Come, come by and see fun comics like Francesca performing. <laughs> yeah. Every, every other Saturday, correct? Every other Saturday. That's right. It spoke. Hell yeah. All right, Aaron. We'll see you in the bonus. We're going to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah, we are. Brief. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lot to get to. All right. See you soon. And thank you guys all for being here. I just want to read some comments of things you guys think are good. French fries are good, says Jerry on YouTube. Todd Roy says the bituation room is good. Oh, thanks, Todd. Uh, Apollo Racer on Twitch says the smell of freshly cut grass. And Joe4771 says, weed is good, okay? Um, yeah, okay, you're, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right, it is. Um, any other good things? All right, Robin equals awesome, says Camperman5000. Very informative. Agreed. Uh, and thank you guys so much for, for being here, for sticking around. Again, bituationroom.com slash, or excuse me, bituationroom.com is where you get your merch if you want to become part of the Frantifa in a uh, in a visual way, I guess. Uh, you can always get your merch. It's all union made. Got two types of shirts. Very cute. Um, show it off. Take a picture of yourself in it. I really love to see it. Um, a few comments. Jeff Giro, thank you for the super chat. Um, just to just thank you. Uh, Tom Sears says a true pro-life position would be to push for universal health care, education, fair taxes, climate disaster mitigation, and to oppose pollution and war. You should run for office, Tom. Uh, on right wing, on the right wing, uh, focusing on the leak, Darren Skjolsvold, 
uh, says what just happened is they got caught doing something they wanted to do quietly to do. It's like your dog getting caught humping the pillow to completion. It isn't really their proudest moment. <laughs> That's exactly what SCOTUS is doing. This is their pillow humping. And then they finished and it was like, oh, man, I got, what do I do now? I'm not horny no more. Um, thank you, guest, for your super chat. I fully support a woman's right to choose. Um, although you wrote chose, which I like even better. Um, Hef, thank you for the super chat. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Shove it, GOP. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Sans Mod Badge 420 just has a few fire emojis with th- third precinct written. I have no idea what that's about. Um, writes that shit was based and it's rare to see someone championing it. Um, let's fucking go, Robin. Yeah, I mean, fuck around and find out is really what that was. And I think uh, the police found out. Uh, Luis Benavidez, thank you for the super chat. Um, this talk reminds me of Conan's Warlords. What's, what is best in life? Question, but in the most evolved way. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> Greetings from this Brazilian expat in Portugal. Greetings, what's up? And now let us do the ceremonial thank you to all the people who have become patrons uh, who've donated to this show. Uh, of course, $10 or more gets you the shout out on patreon.com. This is the fart song. Yeah, 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 get it. We've got a lot of names. Thank you to Richard E. Jackson, to Rich, Rich, Rochelle Basson, to WM, to Sarah Newman, Amy Martin, Anthony Farnan, Todd Gentry, Mark Halbeck, Leonard Maldonado, Anthony Morales, Charles Gallagher, John B., and of course, Mr. Martin, uh, Martin Dingler. That was a dingler of a fart. Martin Dingler for the 300th patron, and thank you guys all for just, just, you know, throwing down. Um, thank you to the Twitch subs, Chris Huggy, Calm Like a Bomb, Braided Dragon, David Schmidt 311, Fat Guy Named Tiny, Willie Gus, JM... JFMEHL81, Groove Dragon, Drew in Georgia, Bim Snake, Homeless Vicious, Marcus Aurelius 7, Burning Bush Dragon, Roses in August, Omega Shenron Dragon, what up? Matt Gates on a white four Bronco, what up? Melanie 44, Daisy Dragon, Susie Rock, Depressed Progressive, Ricky C183, and anyone who's gifted a sub, Iron Man 42, Braided Dragon. Um, you guys are awesome. Remember, if you miss me in the middle of the week, I do a show on TYT's Twitch channel called The Twitchuation Room. It's actually a lot of fun. And uh, it's a little more insane and unscripted. And uh, I have a good time doing it. So you guys should hop on board on that. Thank you to everyone who works on the show, to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Alexandra Orness on the other side of them chats. We stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on Twitter at Bituation Pod, TikTok at Franny Fio, YouTube at, or uh, Instagram at Franny Fio. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, fuck it raw, and then abort its baby. And don't just bitch about it, be about it. See you next time.